Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. As the western U.S. warms up, so does the fight over who has rights to the dwindling Colorado River water supply. Last week, the seven states that rely on that river once again failed to agree on a plan to conserve water, and that comes after they were issued an ultimatum by the federal government to either come up with a plan or Biden officials would step in. Now the stakes are high because those western states could face a massive water and power crisis as soon as next year, and so the Biden administration is preparing to act unilaterally as soon as this summer if necessary. More broadly, this water fight could be an early glimpse of the type of battles the U.S. will face over who should bear the pain of adapting to climate change. And it's a political minefield for the Biden administration specifically, since it involves some of the country's most economically and politically powerful states and industries. So today, Politico's Annie Snyder on how the shrinking Colorado River hands President Joe Biden his first climate brawl. It's Tuesday, February 7th. So, Annie, once again, seven Western states failed to reach an agreement last week to significantly cut their water use from the Colorado River, and the current feud is centered on California. So why is California holding out on a deal? Yeah, so we did have what some people might describe as another blown deadline last week, although I will say we're actually getting closer, right? Last summer, when the federal government first sort of put out a call for the states to reach an agreement on significant cuts to the Colorado River, we had sort of four competing parties. Now we're down to two. We've got two competing proposals. On one side, you've got six of the seven states along the Colorado River. And on the other side, you've got, as you said, California standing by themselves. This is ultimately a fight about whether it's fair to use the accumulation of laws and rules that govern shortage sharing along the Colorado River that date back really a century or more to apportion these cuts that everyone can agree now are in at least part fueled by climate change. California is the biggest beneficiary under that old set of rules. But the other six states are effectively arguing that climate change has so fundamentally changed the situation that there's got to be a more equitable way of sharing the pain. Right. And so, you know, now the decision on what to do is likely to end up in the Biden administration's hands, given this stalemate. So how is this decision broadly representative of kind of the types of difficult decisions the White House and future administrations will face over who should pay for adapting to a changing climate? I will say I think it's probably too early to say for sure that this is going to fall to the Biden administration. There is still more time for the states to negotiate. And the next step in this process is actually something they're going through a a process that's required by the National Environmental Policy Act to basically really analyze and lay out for the public what these different approaches might mean. And so there are some people who think that that might help drive the parties back to the table. I think it's probably too early to say for sure that this is going to all fall to the Biden administration. But I do think it's clear that the Biden administration is going to at least have to make some of these calls. And I think that's exactly right, that this is a very early glimpse of the types of really big, really heated decisions that are going to be facing the federal government and also state and local governments as they decide really who wins and who loses in climate change. You know, it's not just drought. Think about flooding. You know, if you're going to build flood protections for one community, that's going to affect flooding elsewhere. And there's also a limited amount of money to do all of this work with. So there are going to have to be some very difficult decisions made about who really bears the pain of this changing climate. 
Yeah, and then the politics of that are very difficult, it seems like, right? We're already seeing delegations from the various states here affected by the Colorado River who are coming to the table and, and making their views known. So why are the politics tricky as well? Absolutely. I think this fight along the Colorado River is really a fascinating one, especially for a Democratic administration to be facing right now. California obviously is a very, very blue state. They have promulgated some of the most aggressive policies to fight climate change. And of course, they are run by a governor with his own presidential ambitions. And they're also an economically extremely powerful state. Their agricultural industry is a powerful player, both economically and also very much so politically within the state. And then you've got on the other side, Arizona. I mean, this is This is really a fight between California and Arizona here. And so on the other side, you've got Arizona, this newfound swing state that has proven so important to Democrats at the national scale, and then mixed in the middle between these two states in somewhat more complex sort of configurations is the fact that you've got the agricultural industry, housing development, and Native American tribes that the Biden administration has promised to do right by with all competing interests within. Right. And you also report a legal battle is likely no matter what, no matter if there is a resolution among the states or the Biden administration does step in here at some point. So why is a drawn out legal battle concerning to federal, state and local water managers? Yeah, I don't know anyone who thinks that there's not going to at least be a lawsuit related to whatever happens here, whether the states come to agreement or whether it's the Biden administration that has to act. I don't think that there's anyone who thinks there's not going to be a lawsuit filed. And that is very concerning. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who think that's why it's taken the Biden administration as long as it has to sort of get ready to act unilaterally if it needs to. The concern here is that a court decision could end up tying water managers' hands at a moment when they could be looking at a very real crisis. I mean, I'm talking about like not being able to deliver enough water downstream to desert metropolises or to farmers that already have crops in the ground or the potential that hydropower that keeps the Western grid stable could get cut off. These are very high stakes and the federal government wants some nimbleness to be able to act on that. And there's concern that a court could end up issuing an injunction or get in the way of that. And more broadly, this could ultimately end up at the Supreme Court. We've got a conservative supermajority. There is some concern that a supermajority on the Supreme Court could end up questioning some of these broad authorities that the Interior Department is thought to have to manage waterways at a time when those waterways across the West, not just along the Colorado River Basin, but elsewhere, are changing in with a speed and with the unpredictability <laughs> that we've never seen before. Also, on Monday, federal authorities announced they had foiled an attempt by racially motivated extremists to bring down Baltimore's electrical grid. The two individuals were a Florida-based man who was a neo-Nazi leader and a Maryland woman. They were arrested late last week on federal charges that they plan to attack electrical substations with assault weapons in order to try to cause chaos in Maryland's largest city. For context, extremists, cybercriminals, and vandals have intensified attacks on the power grid in recent years, with those incidents reaching a decade-long peak last year. Regulators are currently assessing whether to heighten grid security requirements in light of the rise in attacks. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by Mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow.
Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.